But what does Qui-Gon do? He gets down in a meditative pose. He closes his eyes and he starts meditating. And what he's actually doing also is being nerdy enough that I read the novelization of The Phantom Menace. Yes, I did. <laughs> on my honeymoon. Oh, Dalton. On, remember, it's 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 the week the movie came out. Dalton. I was on my honeymoon in Bali reading the novelization, the novelization of, of The Phantom Menace. Seen. Yep. Oh. Yep. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to another out-of-this-world edition of the Dagobah Dispatch. There is a big Star Wars anniversary coming up, so we're going to talk about that because there have been some interesting headlines coming out of that. And we are also going to use that as a jumping-off point to play another round of our favorite game, Star Wars True or False. Opinions will be shared. Whether you agree with them or not is another question. All that and more coming up right here and right now on the one and only Dagobah Dispatch. I am Dalton Ross, here as always with Devin Kogan. What's going on, Devin? Hello, hello. Excited to get into another another episode. Yeah, and you know, we are recording this on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Happy to be here with uh, the people I love, Devin and Sammy, talking about the the franchise we love, mostly. Usually. (laughs) Star Wars. So what could be better? Yeah, there's no way I'd rather spend my February 14th. This is is the highlight for me. This is it. Talking Star Wars all the time. All right. Um, We're going to have some fun today. We're going to talk about some news that's come out recently uh, in just a second. And then we're going to play some Star Wars True or False, which is always fun where we have to lay down some some opinions uh, for better or for worse. Uh, but real quickly, we'll start off with the housekeeping. Just want to remind you all, you can leave a voicemail anytime you want at our hotline number, which is 657-799-1566. You can react to uh, and weigh in on some of these hot takes or these uh, opinions we're going to give later. Uh, share your opinions with us or if you have any questions, concerns, anything you want, you can give us a call at 657-799-1566. We also like to connect with you on Spotify where we do a poll for each episode. If you listen on Spotify, you can go vote there. And we were talking about the uh, the sequel trilogy in our last episode. So we just put out the question, what is the best sequel trilogy movie? And the results are in, Devin. We had a tie. Oh. We had a tie. That's one of the, there's two surprising things about these poll results. All right. So the first surprising thing is for me, maybe not for Devin, is the results. So you had The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi each coming in at 40%, while The Rise of Skywalker came in at 20%. So what is the other shocking thing about these poll results, Devin? That seems high for The Rise of Skywalker. Well, that, it also (laughs) actually equals 100. We actually have- Sammy, I want bells, I want whistles, I want (laughs) clapping, I want celebration, I want some air horns. You can throw in multiple air horn noises because it actually Spotify for once equals 100%. But yeah, that is high for Rise of Skywalker, right? 20%? That does seem high to me. But, you know, I am am on record as not being a fan of that movie. But I love that Force Awakens and Last Jedi tied, though, because I think those movies um, are a really nice compliment. And that, that doesn't surprise me because I know those are those are my two favorites, too. 
And I, and I know you would go Last Jedi. Probably. Uh, and I would probably go Force Awakens. It's interesting yeah. because I think nothing in Force Awakens hits the heights of Last Jedi, but I think it is a more sort of just solid movie. The, my one thing that I don't love about The Force Awakens, which is a kind of major thing, but I really do enjoy the movie, is just how much of a retread it is. As we talk. It's basically just, they said, let's just, it's a, it's a remake essentially yeah. of the original trilogy. <laughs> That's my biggest quibble with it too. And, and yeah. why I lean more towards last Jedi is I, I think it's very beat for beat story wise. Um, it's they found a formula and they stuck to it. Um, but I think there's so many great things that I love in that movie. Some really great character introductions, great yes. planets and creatures and all the things I love. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm due for a rewatch actually. I've been thinking about, I, I need, I want to do a rewatch of, of force awakens sometime soon. Yeah. It's well, it's, it's, it's actually a good segue as we get into the news because I remember sitting on my seat at a press screening for the force awakens and you have all this anticipation it's almost a situation when you've gone a long time without a Star Wars movie where it can't possibly, and J.J. Abrams is doing it. Remember, at this time, J.J. Abrams is like everything he touched, at least creatively, seemed to turn to gold. Yeah. Uh, and so it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And he did a great job rebooting the first Star Trek movie, I think was great. Yeah. Love that first Star Trek uh, reboot with Chris Pine. Now, you know, he did Lost, all these other shows we loved, and now he's coming in to do a Star Wars movie. You almost like the expectations were so high, but yet- it delivered. Like I was really happy walking out of that movie, right? Like really enjoyed myself, which was a very different reaction to 25 years ago, maybe with the Phantom Menace, which gets us into our news uh, this week that the Phantom Menace came out 25 years ago and they are going to put the film back in theaters on May 3rd, Phantom Menace, coming back in theaters. And I guess we'll just start by me posing the question to you, Devin. Will you pony up the 15 to $20, whatever it costs in LA these days to go see a movie, to go watch The Phantom Menace on the big screen? I don't know. Maybe if I can get a gang of friends together to go with me, I think that would be a really fun way to spend an afternoon. Um, I did a rewatch semi-recently, so I'm not like super hankering to go see it again. But Here's my confession, Dalton. I don't think I've ever seen Phantom Menace on the big screen. I was just going to ask you that. I Because I, I was six years old when it came yeah. out in 1999. Um, and so I, I don't think – I think the first Star Wars movie that I saw in theaters was Attack of the Clones. Mm. Well, it's interesting. So I've told the story a million times, so I'll keep it super short. But yeah, I saw Phantom Menace at a, at a press screening and like, you know me, you know what a fan I was. I mean – and not just me. As I've said many times before, I think it is the most heavily anticipated film uh, premiere ever. Uh, oh, oh, 100%. I mean, the buildup, if you weren't around, then you just have no idea. Yeah. Like, um, and, Again, you know, I was it, six and I remember. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, 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 so uh, but anyway, even though I saw it and like didn't think it was a that great a movie in a lot of ways, I still saw it three times. Like I saw the premiere. <laughs> I immediately got married. Like the, I saw an advanced screening. Uh, then immediately got married. Went on a honeymoon. Came back. Immediately went and like saw it twice more. Then I saw it again because they put it back out in theaters in 3D. Devin, Ooh. in February 10th, 2012, The Phantom Menace went back in theaters in 3D, and the plan was 
is that at that point, all six Star Wars movies were going to be released in 3D, starting with The Phantom Menace. So they weren't going to go chronological by release. This time they're going to go chronological by episode number. So they started with Phantom Menace. I went there, brought the kids. It was so awesome. And then what happened? Why didn't the other movies come out? Because Disney bought Lucasfilm that exact same year, 2012. Scrapped all that. Scrapped a bunch of other stuff. Scrapped a live action uh, Star Wars show that they were working on back then. Scrapped it. Went back to the theatrical movies that we were just talking about with the sequel trilogy. So I saw it. I've seen it in theaters four times. Wow. uh, And seen it a bazillion other times on not just DVD and Blu-ray and streaming, but yes, VHS. Yes, I still have the VHS (laughs) of The Phantom Menace. Will I go? I So this is the problem of having my kids being older now, right? Like if they were here, I would make them go with me and I 100% would go see Phantom Menace back on the big screen, but they're not around. I'm not going to make my wife do that with me. Like, I'm not going to put her through that pain. Happy Valentine's Day, honey. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to. By the way, I got some news. Uh, let's mark May 3rd off on You're the calendar. You're busy May 3rd. I've, I've dragged her to Star Wars movies before. Every time it premieres, I drag her. I drag her to Rise of Skywalker. I drag her. I can't do this. I can't not make her Phantom do this. Not Phantom Menace. You, you yeah. know, that's, no. that's grounds for divorce. I, I think so. Yeah. So, but, so I guess the question is, will I go by myself? Actually, when this comes out, I actually won't even be in the country. I just realized, I think. Oh. So So the if it's still out in like June, which it probably won't be, but if it is and my daughter's home then, then I'll go see it. I will try to drag someone to this with me. If I'm successful, I will go. If I'm unsuccessful, I'll just put it on back at home. I'm just saying, do you think we could get the company to expense, uh, get you and Sammy to fly out to LA and we can go see it together? I I guess it would make more sense for me to fly to New York. (laughs) First of all, that's the thing that's going to get me out of LA. I come out like once a decade. (laughs) Well, the Phantom Menace is being re-released in theaters. Is being released in theater, re-released in theaters. It only celebrates its 25th anniversary once. Can you imagine if I had to have a conversation with our TNA department? Like, wait, you just flew out to see this movie? Oh, oh, there must have been like there were extra scenes in it? No. No. Oh, this is the the premiere, like all the stars. Went, no, no. Just like, <laughs> I went to go see a 25 year old movie yep. that is also playing in my home multiplex. But no, we have to. We, I'm gonna make this. I think okay. we should make this happen. Special right. episode of the Dagobah Dispatch. <laughs> uh, well, let's also listen. Uh, Devin maybe is gonna go. I'm gonna try. I'm more actively gonna try to go than Devin. I think. I think Devin's like, hey, if 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 there's a plan, I'll be part of it. I would yeah. try to make the plan happen. We'll see. What about you all? Will you go see The Phantom Menace in theaters to celebrate its 25th anniversary? That is our Spotify poll this week. You can go vote there. Let us know. We'll give you the results. Or call us, 657-799-1566. Let us know why or why not. Or give us share any thoughts you have on The Phantom Menace. Uh, all right. So the other big news was uh, Empire did a uh, magazine out of the UK, did a big story uh, on the 25th anniversary of the, the prequels. And... Um, in that story, they talked to some of the actors, one of which was Ian McDermott, obviously Emperor Palpatine. So Devin carved out a little section of this that she she hit us up with in the Slack, where he was talking about his infamous scene where he, um, you know, sends Mace Windu out, out of the, the window into the Coruscant sky with his lightning, uh, lightning uh, bolts coming out of his fingers. So this is from the Empire story. And it said, um, having played the Emperor in Return of the Jedi back in 1983, 
decked out in old age makeup, the timing worked perfectly for McDermott to reprise or reprise the role of the younger chancellor in the prequels. While the earlier prequels involved much politicking, he got to revel in all-out evil by episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Here's the quote from Ian McDermott about that experience. Quote, George kept hyping me up on that. He remembers of the scene in which he attacks Samuel L. Jackson's mace window. I was screaming, absolute power! I said, do you want me to do some quiet ones? Because this is a bit much. George said, no, go further, go further. So I did. And he seems to have kept most of it. There's no holding back there. It's one of many lines that fans still request from the actor today. Quote, the one that they like most of all is, do it. People just love it, he says. So, Devin, what do you make of, uh, you know, we always say George Lucas didn't usually, is known for not giving a lot of direction to his actors. Uh, But here he specifically rebuffed a request from uh, Ian McDermott to maybe give some different shades and different takes here. I think this was the correct decision by George Lucas because it gave us this iconic Ian McDermott performance. Um, I mean, just like, it's so good. I mean, this is where things go totally off the rails. It's three episodes of they've been teasing how bad this guy is for like, you know, and, and we've seen the emperor before. And like, it's been three episodes of him like subtly manipulating things. And have you heard the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise and like, oh dear, and like stuff like that. So for him to just get to finally go like full evil, it's kind of fun. I'm 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 a fan. Like, is it campy and a little bit ridiculous? Yes. Do I love it anyway? Also, yes. I love it. I I I agree 100%. Lucas on his game while directing this scene. Yes. And McDermott always on his game. Always on his game. So good. I don't know if the makeup was on its game. Like it's a really weird no. makeup if you look at that. His the problem with his makeup and you'll see it is just like they made his forehead super yes! big. Yes! It's like kind of like Klingon-y yes! and like with the wrinkles. It's just it's the his like his forehead is too big. Um but everything else, and it's is, not is the good. way it looks in the in the original trilogy. No, it's not the way well, it looks part in of, trilogy, I mean, in the original Jedi. trilogy, he's got the hood on, so you yeah. don't see as much forehead. Whereas, like when he doesn't have the hood on, it's like that's that's a little too much forehead for me. But so another thing that Ian McDermott was asked about in this interview was about the fact that he has a granddaughter. And I guess this begs the question, was Emperor Palpatine getting jiggy with it? And and he responded, quote, please don't p- pursue that line too vigorously. But yes, he does. Meaning, yes, he does have sex. It's a horrible idea to think of Palpatine having sex in any shape or form. He then started to rethink his drink a little bit. He said, but then, of course, perhaps he didn't. Maybe it's all to do with midi-chlorians. And don't ask me what those are. Don't ask anyone what those are. (laughs) Don't ask anyone. And then he wrote, never trust your granddaughter. There's that T-shirt Palpatine got made. That's the T-shirt Palpatine got made shortly after his death. So what do you think, Devin? Is, Is Palpatine knocking boots? Or is this like a born from the force Situation, which I guess would then be two generations possibly born by the force. I have no idea. Look, I. There's fan fiction for everything on the Internet. Every character has, you know, and, and I'm sure there's 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 some out there for the emperor. Um, 
I, you know me, I don't like to think about the Ray Palpatine thing too hard because if I do, it makes my brain hurt and it's because it's just so dumb. Um, so I don't like spending any mental energy on this because I think it raises so many questions exactly like this. Um, also, like, okay, so how old are Ray's parents at this point? When did he father this child? Who did he father this child with? I, it just it raises more questions than it answers. And but I shout out to Ian McDermott for for giving the the you know canon response, which is that yes. Well, it's also like I, yeah, it does raise a lot of questions. Like, was someone kind of like looking at the emperor and was like, "Ooh, let me get a hit of that," Be or like, like Ooh, was that forehead? <laughs> or, or is that, there's that's really my type? Yeah, or maybe there's something a little like disturbing and rapey involved here. That's like, the I think, like, is it yeah. consensual? Is it not? Like, I just have a like, who, who? That's my question. Then if, again, the, if, the, if the if if the the decision is that yes, he has sex. The next follow up question is with who, and I don't know if I want the answer to that question. Well, Devin, I mean. Once again, all roads lead back to the Empire Strips Back because remember, they have a sexy Palpatine in the Empire Strips Back. So maybe that's where this all. Maybe that's up. where it all goes back to, you know, it's it's show a little leg underneath those those black robes. I mean, yeah, I mean, he is the ultimate. Protruding forehead face of evil. Yeah, the emperor. So I just I don't really know if we want to know the means of how this happened. Like we do and we don't. I mean, you look, know? look, Dalton. There's a lot of people out there who like they have a thing for for bad guys. I you guess know? so. They like a bad boy. They like it's a true. bad boy. It's and so I mean, true. genocidal mass murderer, leader of the uh, Galactic <laughs> Empire. That's a bad boy. Yeah, he was a senator. People like you know. True power is intoxicating. <laughs> exactly, it is. Um, he's very charming. He'll take you to the opera and tell you <laughs> the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise. So, I mean, maybe he's a romantic at heart. I mean, maybe he is like a chocolate and flowers kind of guy. He's like, hey, I, hey, babe, I blew up a star system for you. Uh, hey, all I know is you That's won't hear that romance. story from a Jedi. That's all I know. Um, you won't hear that story from a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, you know, maybe that should be the poll question. Like, uh, actually, Emperor Palpatine, would you hit that? <laughs> uh, Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. That's right. Voicemail, 657-799-1566. Emperor Palpatine, would you hit that? Would you hit that? Please, please call in. I want to continue this conversation with more people. I want to hear more people's opinions. Emperor I want, Palpatine. I want to yeah. know if among our listeners there is anyone who's like, yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> He can get it. <laughs> that forehead, man. That forehead. Oh, and when his eyes get all yellow and like mm. jaundiced, that's <laughs> that's really what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, you know what they say about the size of your forehead. All right. Anyway, <laughs> we probably need to get ourselves out of this conversation yeah, as quickly as possible. Please. Uh, all right. Uh, we are going to go back 25 years for this week's edition of our favorite game, Star Wars True or False. It is a special Phantom Menace edition of the game, and it is coming up right after this super quick break. We are going to play another round of our favorite game, Star Wars True or False. And this time, Devin Kogan is going to pepper me with some questions, all from the Phantom Menace. As we said, it's 25 years. The movie came out. It's going back in theaters in May. And uh, Devin's not going to hit me with some true or false. And what these are are not like factual true and false. They're opinion true or false. She's going to hit us up with an, with a 
with a, a hot takey opinion, maybe, or just sort of a hotly debated opinion, possibly. And then I'm going to have to say true or false to that. And then uh, Devin can do the same and we'll see where we land and you guys can react as well. All right, Devin, what do we got? Yeah, it was fun putting together this list because I had to think a lot about the Phantom Menace and I rewatched some things. And um, we've talked a little bit about we've done episodes of this of True or False before, and we've we've touched on some some Jar Jar related questions and some Phantom Menace related questions. But I tried to hit things we haven't really talked about that much on the show. Um, so to kick things off, our first True or False question: True or False? The Phantom Menace has the best poster of all the Star Wars movies, specifically the teaser poster of Anakin on Tatooine with the shadow of Vader looming behind mm. him. True or false? It's funny because when when you first said the best poster, I just thought of like the more traditional Phantom Menace poster. And I was like, what is Devin smoking out there? Like, <laughs> what is, no. like not even close. I mean, it's fine. I, I, don't, I actually like, actually I like the, that poster, but it's best ever. No. All right. So here's the way I'm going to say this. I'm going to say true, but I'm going to say true because of the way you phrased the question. The original Star Wars poster is obviously the super iconic, the most super iconic with the pose with Leia and Luke, especially that section of the poster is, you know, it's been, you know, uh, paid tribute to lots of homages, lots of parodies. In fact, the poster for the movie Vacation National Lampoon's Vacation, which is a parody of the Star Wars poster, is super famous in its own right, with Chevy Chase holding up the uh, you know, the tennis racket and stuff. So that's how iconic this is, that you have an iconic parody of the iconic poster. So that's the most famous poster. The other poster that would compete with this one, for me, would be the Revenge of the Jedi poster. Yes. Obviously, it's cool because it's a poster that was out I mean, for those that, you know, are younger, this was a poster that was in your movie theater with, you know, about, you know, a few months before the movie came out, you'd see this giant red Revenge of the Jedi poster, big Vader helmet, and then father and son sort of crossing laser swords on the poster. Then, of course, Lucas decides that Jedi would never take revenge, changes the title to Return of the Jedi, we get a different poster. So the Revenge of the Jedi poster is pretty cool. It's very cool looking. Um, and it's also just very interesting because it's a poster for a movie, at least the movie title that never came out. All that said, that Phantom Menace poster with Jake Lloyd, um, who looked pretty cool with the bowl cut. And he's sort of looking down. He's in Tatooine. And then on the little like behind him, structure behind him, you see the Vader shadow is a, just cool looking, but B, just says so much about the character and where he is and where he's going to end up. So I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to say true. I think that is the best poster in Star Wars history. Devin, what do you think? That's a really, I I'm was, I posed this question and I'm not sure of my own answer to it. I mm -hmm. think I'm going to lean towards false just because I'm so glad that you brought up my personal favorite poster, which is the Revenge of the Jedi one. That's the one I have hanging in my childhood bedroom. It's just like, it, it's so gorgeous with the red and like yeah. the, it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm just such a sucker for so much of like the Ralph McQuarrie concept art and, you know, all like of the iconic Drew Struzan posters that he did over the years. Um, so I think that one for me edges it out, but like I, I do, I really have a love for that Phantom Menace 
poster. And it's so good. It's so good. Well, also, and, and I, maybe I'm thinking of a version. Maybe there's different versions of it because a lot of times posters, there's certain tweaks, this, that. Totally. But I, I remember there being a version where there was no text on it at all. Yeah, that's the ma- that's the one. Yeah. There's like no text on it. It's just little baby Anakin walking through Tatooine with the giant uh the the Vader silhouette behind him. And it's oh, it's so good, man. One of my biggest pet peeves, and one of these days I'm gonna write this story for EW, is why movie posters are so bad now. They're just like, when's the last time you saw like a really incredible, beautiful movie poster that like went on to become iconic? Because so many of them are just like giant Photoshop floating heads because you have to get X number of stars on the poster and it's in their contract that their head has to be 33% bigger than this person's head. And, you know, that's how you wind up getting things where it's like, Avengers movie poster and you've got Iron Man, but you've also got like a giant Robert Downey Jr. floating head so that you know that it's Robert Downey Jr.'s face, but also you have to know the brand Iron Man. I I just, posters are so bad nowadays. So the point of this is that I love how simple that Phantom Menace poster is, how effective it is with, like you said, very little text, like just so simple and striking and effective. And it's just fantastic. Yeah. And uh, you know, the other poster I remember that I think had no, type on at least big type uh was the tim burton batman movie poster yeah. i think it was just the batman logo Iconic. like the whole marketing campaign for that was very minimalist and it was just that one logo which i thought was super cool so anyway all right so there that was a really good one and hotly debated because there are a lot of great posters obviously in this franchise over a lot of movies the rogue one poster is great too by the way yeah that's a great one too there's so many so many good ones i even really like i kind of like the solo poster and like the solo type treatment and like it's you know, I, I do too good point yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah there's, good point. there's some really really rad ones so okay cool that's our first one number two right. true or false the best part of the duel of the fates battle isn't with lightsabers at all it's the scene where Qui-Gon and Maul are standing there looking at each other, waiting for the shields to go down. All right. So that, that that's a very long wordy question. I know. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. And listen, it's a great moment because what's so great about that moment is sort of the dichotomy between the two and their approaches. What does Qui-Gon do? He gets down in a meditative pose. He closes his eyes. And he starts meditating. And what he's actually doing also is being nerdy enough that I read the novelization of The Phantom Menace. <laughs> yes, I did. On my honeymoon. Oh, Dalton. On, remember, it's 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 the week the movie came out. Dalton. I was on my honeymoon in Bali reading the novelization, the novelization of, of a The movie Phantom Menace. Seen. Yep. Oh, yep. But God. what he's doing there also, Devin, is he's gathering his strength. Remember, Qui-Gon is a little older now, right? Like he's a little older and he's still an incredible swordsman and and a, you know physical presence, but but he needs to have that, he's gonna use that time to gather his strength and meditate. So that's what he's doing. Maul is stalking back and forth. He cannot stand still. He's just walking back and forth. He's like a an animal, a beast, just waiting for it to get out. And the way that he ignites his lightsaber when he can tell that the um that the force fields are about to go down is super, super cool. All that said, the the actual lightsaber battle itself is even cooler. As you know, as I've said a million times, best lightsaber battle in the history of Star Wars. So exciting. Not just the Qui-Gon Maul part, but the Obi-Wan Maul part as well. So it's all great. It's all great. 
But for me, it, I remember my breath being taken away during that lightsaber battle scene. So I'm going to say the actual action for me uh, carries the day. So for me, it is false. That's fair. And I mean, I, it's, uh, you know, I think that's 100% fair. For me, I think it's true, though. Like, this is probably my favorite moment in a really incredible sequence because I think the technicality of like them, like obviously using lightsabers. And this is again, like the, this is the first time we've seen like a, a lightsaber battle that isn't just like cyborg uh, Vader and like young untrained Luke and like very old Obi-Wan. This is like Jedi and a Sith at the height of their powers doing flips, the double bladed lightsaber with Maul. I mean, it's, it's just rad. It's incredible. Again, takes your breath away that uh, combined with John Williams score, which I mean, his score for Phantom Menace in general is just off the charts, but what he does for duel of the fates has never been surpassed. Um, but I've always loved this moment with the shields because it is so good and it's such a good character moment and it's such a good storytelling moment with no dialogue. And apparently that was something that Liam Neeson actually suggested where it was like, okay, we're going to have you, you know, like blocked by these shields. What is Qui-Gon going to do? And apparently it was Liam Neeson who kind of had that, like, I'm going to sink to my knees and do like this meditative thing. And Ray Park does the thing where he starts pacing like a tiger in a, in a zoo cage. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so good. And it gets across, like, I am such a nerd for like storytelling through fight choreography. And this is such a lovely little storytelling moment and character moment that you get through fight choreography. And I think like that brief moment of like, allowing it to breathe and like that like standing on the precipice is what makes the ensuing battle so much better so i just like i this is probably one of my favorite moments in the entire movie so yeah I, i've always said about you know that final star wars loves to do a sequence where they at the end where they cut between three different things happening in three different places and when it's at its best you really care about all three of those things the, the problem with the ending of Phantom Menace is that I really only cared about one of them. Like the throne room stuff, Pat McGinn throne room was fine. Like I didn't just, that, that's fine. Totally fine. Um, the space battle with Anakin, you know, like doesn't really work for me. And then the Gungan stuff, like don't even, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. So it just, whenever I watch it, it highlights just how amazing an A++++ all the Darth Maul stuff is at the end. But then when it cuts away from that, I just get so bummed out. You know, that's, that's is what it is. Anyway, we both love that whole entire sequence. But uh, for me, it's uh, the battle is top. All right. What's next? What do we got? Uh, all right. Number three, true or false. C-3PO is a valuable part of the Phantom Menace. Like, I mean, it just, I, I can't help but feel like this is a trick question because it seems so false. Like, I mean, I think he actually looks kind of cool. I like the way that he's sort of, you know... You can see his parts, as they say in the movie, really awkwardly. Um, and that it's not just C-3PO as we see him pretty much in every single other film, except maybe he's got like one, you know, like little red section of him. Here Don't forget the red arm. This, that. Yeah, it's like, but in that it's basically the same droid. So I like the fact that he looks so different. But in terms of him being, as you phrased it, a valuable part of the Phantom Menace, I'm just going big fat F for false. This is this is the correct answer. I I am team. Look, we love Anthony Daniels. I am a huge fan of Anthony Daniels. His performance as C-3PO is fantastic. I think he should have been cut from the prequels entirely. I think there's mm. no reason for C-3PO to be there. 
I think it raises too many questions, more questions than it answers. Um, his, we've talked about this before, but his whole like subplot line at the end of Attack of the Clones, where he's like in the battle droid factory, is just cut it, put oh, it on God. the put it on the cutting room floor. Yeah, it's tough. So, um, I agree with you that I think like the design stuff is like really cool. Like his his physical look is really really cool in this movie. Um, I like that it sort of gives us this idea that like Anakin, the nine year old, is like a tinkering genius. So of course he can build his own pod racer, and like he's you know he's brilliant and and talented and all of these things. Um, but I just the fact that it's C three PO and not just like a random protocol droid. Yeah. I I agree. It's a problem I think you and I both have with this is that sometimes they make this giant, massive galaxy seem so small. Small. Like, what are the odds? You know, it's like, it's like, you know, we had Billy D. Williams on our podcast a few weeks ago, and I encourage you guys to all listen to that if you didn't. But like, you know, like we talked a little bit about that whole thing with like that character with him and Rise Scar. Is that his daughter? And like they kind of like allude to maybe it's his daughter, maybe it's not. They don't really say one way or the other, but it's like Everyone's related to everyone. And so I agree with you. He looks cool, but like we don't need Anakin like building C-3PO just seems a little over the top coincidental. Yeah, we don't need to see the meeting between C-3PO and R2-D2 here. Um, it doesn't make sense for it to happen, you know, in this context. Um I agree with you. I think it just it makes the world seem small when people keep running around bumping into people and uh, running around figuring out that they're related to Palpatine. It just it this is such a big, giant, enormous galaxy filled with all of these planets and creatures and people. And like it it it, it makes it just feel small. And I, yeah. I to me, I think it's one of the biggest missteps in well, it's also interesting how you've seen how they've been successful in so many other Star Wars properties introducing new droids, right? Yes. Like in on the sequel trilogy, um, in Rebels, in Rogue One, you have all these like iconic droids that they've created. And then instead of doing that in the prequels, they just kind of gave us the same droids. Yeah. I will say I the the prequels did give us pit droids. Which are some of my favorite droids. I, yeah. I do love the pit droids who, you know, are so helpful with, uh, you know, tuning up pod racers and things. They're great. Great design. Yeah, I agree. And like they actually work well comedically because it's just like a little hit, right? Yeah. It's not like it's not too over the top. They're not like being super annoying all the time. But you just get it's almost background comedy a yeah. lot of time, which is works well. They're like Agreed. the minions of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. If they the- weren't annoying. <laughs> are minions annoying I, i've never seen a despicable me movie in my life uh people literally never them. seen one i don't care for them but i've seen all of them um my Why friends have you and seen I, all of them because when my friends and i when the new minions or despicable me movie comes out we like to go to the cheesecake factory and then go see the minions movie it's a great way to spend a sunday i highly recommend it uh, do people, when they go to the Cheesecake Factory, order cheesecake? I've never been to a Cheesecake Factory. You've never been to a Cheesecake Not Factory, once. Colton? Never, because I thought it was just oh. cheesecake. You are missing out. But apparently out. people don't even order cheesecake when they no, go there. No, like, okay. That's not so the, thing the Cheesecake order, Factory the cheesecake. literally looks like a 2000s like Tuscan nightmare. Like all of the lamps look like the Eye of Sauron. I'm not kidding. I'm going to send you a picture later. Um, the menu is literally a spiral bound book. It is so enormous. It has ads in the menu. Stop like, it. No, this is 100% real. And you can order anything. They have like 25 different burgers, 25 different salads, like 
zillions of types of cheesecake. You can you can order. It's a magical place. It is oh an gosh. insane place. It's a fever dream of a place. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh my god, Dalton. I can't believe you've never been to a cheesecake factory. We I just. I'm, I mean, I'm like a huge cheesecake guy. Like I just thought that was. The thing that they did, like <laughs> apparently I mean, they not. Do, they, they, it is a factory. They do manufacture cheesecake. But like what uh, percentage of what percentage of people that go to a cheesecake factory at some point in their that meal are ordering cheesecake? I feel like at least sixty percent. Really? Maybe. Okay. I don't know. All right. I I don't know. I'm not an expert. I haven't been to a cheesecake factory in a while. But when the new Despicable Me movie comes out, I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> this is a six, very important tangent. 657-799-1566. <laughs> when you go to a cheesecake factory, do you order cheesecake? Yes or no and why? I need to know the answer. Please do not delay. Pick up your phone and tell us your cheesecake factory story. This is a, this is very answer. important and Star Wars That's related. That's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, all right. So um, we both say false, C-3PO, not valuable part of the fandom. Okay, what's next? Um, This, okay, question number four of five. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one is extremely important and extremely serious. Uh, True or false? Padawan braids are dumb. Padawan braids are dumb. So what I'm going to do again here, Devin, is I'm going to go with your wording here. Because if you'd say said Padawan braids look dumb, I would say true. But that's not what you said. You said Padawan braids are dumb. To which I say false, and I'll tell you why. I think the concept is good. I think the concept of, all right, you're going to have this little thing that's going to mark you as a Padawan. And once you're not a Padawan, then you cut it off. It's a whole symbolic thing. And then now you're a a Jedi Knight. I really like that idea. I like that concept and I think it it works well. And I just think it looks, I think the concept is good. The execution is bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like they need a different stylist that they should have consulted. It's like my, my terrible Mont Salon story when I was a kid and my dad took me to some haircut place and he said, I'm going to give you something special. I said, what are you talking about? And they cut my hair and it looked exactly the same. And only when I got home and my mother was horrified, said, what, what is that? I said, what are you talking about? And she showed me a mirror and that they'd give me a rat tail. Incredible. And I panicked and said, cut it off, cut it off. Like, that's what I feel like. I feel the person that gave me a rat tail at Mont Salon in Georgetown, Washington, D.C., was somehow consulted by the Jedi Order <laughs> with the Padawan braids. So I don't think they're dumb. I just think they look dumb. Thoughts? I think they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the idea of like, you know, you're going to get this while idea. you're mar- <laughs> like the You know, the idea, but it just it raises so many questions. What do you do if you're a, uh, like a species that doesn't have hair? Like, what if you're a Yoda? Like, did Yoda have a Padawan braid? He doesn't have enough hair. Like, it just... What's the, if you're a Twi'lek, like what's the, what's the situation? Is it just for like humanoid creatures? Uh-huh. Um, I, I just think it, again, it raises more questions than it answers and it looks really stupid. I would, I would, I would say this, and this might be a hot take. Okay. You know, I might put some oven mitts on to deliver mm-hmm. this hot take to you. I would say that 
Obi-Wan's hair, even with the Padawan braid, is probably his best hair in the prequel trilogy. We've had this argument before on the podcast, and you are 1,000% wrong. Mm. Because Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor, has never looked better than he does in Attack of the Clones. That man oh, come looks on. fantastic. The, the mullet? The, yeah, with the mullet oh, and the, the beard. Like, he just looks... It's like that joke online. This man got so much hotter when his life fell apart. Like it's just he looks he looks great with once he grows the beard. Okay, all right. Shaves You're... off the the Padawan rat tail. Like it's it's this is this has gone beyond Star Wars because as you may know, I have a little bit of a Ewan McGregor man crush. Fair. So you're telling me that he looks hotter with the mullet and that like pasted on fake beard half the time in Attack of the Clones. Then he looks in like Moulin Rouge. No, I mean. You said it's the hottest he's ever looked. As Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. As Obi-Wan even, Kenobi. even hotter than the series Obi-Wan Kenobi? Because I would say that is his Again, best. Again, got hotter when his life fell apart. That's <laughs> that's the perfect example. Um, he is a disaster. That man is not uh, shaved. He is like. You can fix him, Devin. Ch- you can fix chopping him. Chopping up a space whale. He smells like space whale guts. Like, oh, I'm, I I don't care. I'm still into it. Still. I, still I, I think he looks pretty good with the tail. I think he, he looks pretty good with the paddle, with the paddle on tail. He can rock it, sort of. And again, Hayden Christensen, very handsome man. Doesn't look good with the rat tail. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. All right. Well, we'll we'll beg to differ on that. Again, we both agree they look <laughs> dumb. I just think the concept of them is not bad. Yeah, but um, I get, again, like, what do you do if you're a Twi'lek? Do you have a Padawan braid? It's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know. I told you All this right. was a very serious question. Yeah, and a very it was serious. serious episode. I take it seriously. Yeah. yeah. All right. Our final true or false question. Mm. You ready for this? Yeah. All right. Um, again, we have a really serious one. Uh, true or false? Darth Maul's best scene is when he randomly tries to run over Anakin on a land speeder <laughs> or, or like a snow or sand scooter thing. It's a cool vehicle that he's on. I, I have rad. a, I have like a, what are those toys where it's like they got the, the thing you pull out of it and then it like, you know, scoots along. Like, I don't oh, like know a Beyblade kind of thing. Yeah. It's kind of like a Beyblade technology. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have that from my Taco Bell toys I was telling you about that I got when they came out. And so it's a cool little rig he's on there and it's a really cool moment there's something weird when he jumps off if you really study this as i have where the frame like speeds up awkwardly there's something weird about the stunt that's just a little awkward with his jump it's like that scene where in phantom menace where (laughs) obi-wan and qui-gon are trying to get through the blast doors and all of a sudden the droidicas come up and they start firing them and then they they run off to the right, but it's like way too fast. It's like su- like super speed all of a sudden. It's like makes no sense. That's kind of like what happens when Darth Maul jumps like backflip style off the uh, off the the rig and then into the lightsaber uh, fight with Qui Gon, which is also really cool and has a really cool sort of profile scene of them pairing back and forth. Great shot, great yeah. shot. Um, so I love the scene you're talking about. But it's still not for me going to beat the uh, the double lightsaber fight scene on the boot. To me, that's still a number one. But you are right, so I will say false. But I will say that you are right that this is a um, a very underrated scene. It's so good, and for me, I have to go with true because it again it raises questions 
At this point, Darth Maul does not know who Anakin is. He just he sees a nine-year-old <laughs> child just and just down. says, get out of the effing way. I'm going to just take him down. Like, yeah. that is so funny to me and also so indicative of who he is. Like, I... I just, everything about this detail just makes me laugh so hard. But it's also like a great, fun, weird scene. And like, I love when Qui-Gon's like, Anakin, get down. And like, he has to like duck and like jump into the sand. And I just, I just can't stop laughing at the idea of Darth Maul saying, screw them children. Oh. Just, just mow down this small child. It would have been even better. You know what I mean? This, if like Anakin's like, hey, um, I'm cool going off planet, but I'm, I might get a little lonely. Can my buddy Kitzer come with me? <laughs> and then Kitzer and Anakin are running, and then Kitzer doesn't get down because he doesn't have the force uh, reflexes. And then just Maul just splats him all over the place, and Kitzer is just like, <laughs> it's just it's so it's so funny to me. I just I, I love the, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't know that he's the chosen one. He doesn't know no. that he's force sensitive. He just no. says that kid's yeah. going down. <laughs> Maybe he does know. Maybe he maybe he thinks he's going to get replaced by him in a few years. Yeah, he, maybe he can tell. He's like, there can only be uh, the Sith dyad. There can only be two. It's true. You Look know, what happened gotta, to Dooku. It's true. You know? Look what happened to that guy. So maybe he <laughs> sensed it. I don't know. It's a great scene. Oh, uh, you're great. just making. You know, all this is doing is just making me want to watch Phantom Menace. That's yeah. the thing. I'm like, should we buy tickets to in May? I, I think we should. I know we should. Listen, if I can see like a big screen story about the tax taxation of federated systems, like, uh, you know, and block trade blockades on the big screen. Hell yeah. I'm going to do it. No, no questions asked. Hell yeah. Um, I want to see Jar Jar's face like 15 feet high. <laughs> uh, this has been super fun. Uh, I hope <laughs> you guys have had fun listening to all this nonsense. Uh, and uh, we uh, thank you for sitting through it. If you're still here. Uh, we also want to say coming up, speaking of actual um, like reporting, we have some exciting stuff coming up. Um, uh, the Bad Batch season three, the final season will be premiering next week. And we've got a lot of really cool interviews in the can for that. So please stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. Yeah, we've seen the first eight episodes. So we will talk some Bad Batch with you. It's the final season of that that show. So some big things going to happen. We already know some big characters coming back and perhaps coming back to life uh, in that show. We shall see and we'll we'll get into all that. Uh, hey, uh, if you want to do us a solid, please follow the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Please write us a very nice review. Be very much appreciated. It only takes like 30 seconds. You can also leave us a voicemail message at any time about anything you want. Just call us and say what you got to say at 657-799-1566 and you can be part of the show. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you May 3rd in the theaters uh, for Phantom Menace, and we'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.